This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Tall Tale, a Mrs. Murphy mystery by Rita Mae Brown and Sneaky Pie Brown, her cat. I read Trigger Mortis, a James Bond novel by Anthony Horowitz. Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And Finn, for the moment, for the next probably 45 seconds, is sitting calmly, so we thought it would be a good time to start this week's episode of Bibliovile. We have been... We have been to uh, the Iowa City Public Library. We actually got two books in one. You'll hear about the other books later. Uh, but we are back with a brand new invention, as Vanilla Ice would say. Bum, to... bum, bum, ba, da, dum, bum. Wow, you are just full of musical stings. I know, that's all I have to offer right now. <laughs> like the police, you're full of musical stings. Um, we are here to bring you the story of, I assume, two mysteries. One suave and nice, and the other... A boomer as hell. Yeah. I had to read Rita Mae Brown and Sneaky Pie Brown's Tall Tale, Tale, T-A-I-L. Hey, Mick, can you tell us a little bit about Sneaky Pie Brown? Sneaky Pie Brown's a cat. Uh, <laughs> One of is, the authors of this book is a cat. <laughs> it is, in fact, the cat that is pictured on the back of the jacket. There is no picture of Rita Mae Brown. Instead, Sneaky Pie Brown is the one that is pictured. an author. Hey, there is a strong tradition in the physics community of crediting cats as co-authors on papers. Oh, is there? It, there is, and it started because one physicist wrote an entire uh, paper, as m- many academics do, citing like, we did this or we did that, yeah. and then realized that he was the sole author on the paper, and instead of going back and changing all the we's to I, just credited, you know, Jim Slim... And it, and it was his cat. And so uh, there's a small tradition of crediting Jim Slim or whatever the cat's name is. This is a good historical story where I half remember the subject and the cat's name. That's a good one. I like yeah. Jim Slim the cat. Um, speaking of crediting things in papers, when I was in grad school, I did not have to do a thesis. I had to do like a portfolio. And in my portfolio, I figured out how to do an APA citation for Black Box Pinot Noir. And I included Movie it star? in my... Uh, in my paper, and then I thanked it in my presentation. All right. Close your eyes. Yes. Cite to me, if I were to, or tell me, if I were to cite a book, what, what generally I have blocked it out of my memory. I don't Last know. Last name, first name. I am terrible at APA is the worst one. You know that, right? Yeah, APA is terrible. It's like last name, first name. Quotes, quotes title. Quotes, title. End quotes. Year. In italics or in parentheses? Parentheses. The year comes before... No, you just said title. Okay. Um. So then when you're citing it in the paper, it's open parenthesis, um, last, last name. name, comma, page year, number. close oh. parenthesis. Oh, no page yeah, number. No, that's, no that's page better. number. I like the year. Uh, Chicago does footnotes and it fucking owns. Chicago's the best. Yeah. And I will hear nothing against it except for the town, which is also pretty good. Nah, it's terrible. Anyway, what I'm doing by making Susan talk about citation methods, which is the largest cash grab in publication, because uh-huh, you just sure. need another $10,000 of royalties, just released the seven and a half edition of Chicago. Uh, Kate MLA, whoever, there's a woman who does these things. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's a woman. It is. I am pretty sure. Uh, oh, uh, we made it longer than 45 seconds, folks. Blame everything MLA on women. edition eight. Oh, they're on edition nine now. Uh, formatting and style guide. I swan to John, a woman wrote the the thing, and maybe it was Chicago. I don't know. I want to say Kate left. I think but it's that's like a cartoonist on Twitter. A committee of people that write it. This is some really engaging content that people, I'm sure, came here for. I am willing to bet, given who listens to our podcast, we have one of the most educated fan that's bases. That's probably true. Also, our one <laughs> listener is my sister, who is probably yelling things about MLA format at whatever uh, her device is let's right see. now. You have a ma- I'm probably the least educated person who's ever listened to this podcast all the way through. You have a you have a uh, graduate degree. I do. Master's. I have a master's degree. Uh, your sister is getting her master's degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake has a degree in 
he's a master's of accounting. He's a master's of accounting. Charles did all but finish his, his thesis mm-hmm. in his master's of program. Uh, so as a lowly bachelor in yeah, science, nice. in the soft science. When are you going to go get your master's degree? When I don't have to fix all this shit with my house. Yeah, houses uh, are a trap. I'm selling <laughs> mine and moving into the woods. <laughs> anyway, uh... To go, once again, just delaying me having to talk about this book. Yeah, you're going to talk about anything you can to not have to talk about Rita Mae Brown and her stinky cat. Well, it was a stinky cat. Oh, um, sneaky. I thought it was stinky pie brown. <laughs> oh, man. Some brown to mud pies. Yeah. Um, how can I best sum this up? The animals talk. Of course. No one can hear them, though, but we have to read their conversations. Oh, yeah. Uh, every dog is a corgi. Okay. So that tells Corgis you right away. Corgis are terrible. Corgis are awful. They're fun in GIF format. And then it's like, oh, you're also a real living thing. <laughs> yeah, and it just gets stuck. It just gets so loud, folks. And it's just like, they're like living cheese gobblers. <laughs> and a lot of times dogs aren't even fed cheese. And this might yeah. even be like a bias given my uncle has corgis and he feeds them cheese. Which and is they're terrible. fat. But they just like... They just look like they only eat cheese, and they act like they only eat cheese, <laughs> and sliced cheese too, and like American sliced craft singles cheese. I don't know what any of this means, but you look so serious as you're saying. I'm doing the Italian hand gesture. No, they have an emoji for that now. Yes, they do in multiple skin colors because yeah. anyone is a Star Wars. Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, so this book fucking sucked. Uh, it was, you know how teenagers and soap operas will, and I think that I listed a different book. Uh, I want to see if I, because it was a good list. It was a good reference me. Oh, this is the room of books. I forgot about that analogy. Oh, yeah. This is the room, like the time it so was, it- oh... In the way that it's like trying to be good and it's not, yeah. or okay. yeah, the same way it's trying to be good and it's not, where there will be entire chapters of people coming places, entering places, saying things, and then leaving those places without accomplishing that accomplished anything. nothing, right? In one scene to this point, the our main character Harry, who is a woman whose last name is Harrison, so she goes by Harry. This takes place in Virginia, which will be important. Not to her name, but to later. Okay. Uh, goes into the post office where she used to work, but then it got updated and it was too fancy. And she wants to go back to her farm, I guess. Uh, and so she enters the town's post office, has a one and a half page conversation with the post office person about stamps. And what what nice stamps. And this is my favorite stamp. And stamps. And then someone else comes in the post office. And she's like, well, I should let you get back to work. Bye. And if that's not the danged literary version of Hi Doggy. Oh, hi, Doggy. Oh, hi, Doggy. Then I don't want to know what is. So this is the room of books in many ways, except that as the room treats everything as a catastrophe, mm-hmm. every single part of, of any conversation is a catastrophe, this paints every single conversation as banal boomer chit-chat. Yeah. And it's impossible to sort through because it's all like, I don't care about your hay harvesting i don't care that the the humidity is way up there today i don't care i don't care i'm like jay cutler and how much i don't care care. and the worst part is that this is a murder mystery and a murder mystery needs to have some sort of like (gasps) stakes but Who who gets dead well i'll tell you but as we're finding out that this person gets dead and not only dead, but murdered. This is treated at the same level as the begonias or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I skipped. She's like, yeah, it turns out that she had this poisonous medicine in her stomach and that's why she died. It, it takes a, it goes suddenly. Oh, wow. Are you going over to Marie's later? Like, that sort of just, like, yeah, brah, this is a major thing. So, I read this book in record time. Because you skipped I a lot of it. Skimmed and skipped a lot. Okay, I'm gonna sum up to you the actual story of this book, and then I'll tell you what else is in this book. The actual story of this book is Harry, a farm woman, I suppose, who has a uh, husband named Finn, who is Phineas, mm-hmm. I think is is what it is, or maybe I'm just misremembering uh, Billy Eilish's uh, brother's name. 
but anyway, I skipped a bunch, and so I don't remember her husband's name. She is driving home when a sun rainstorm strikes, and it matters nothing that there's a rainstorm because this car careens off the road and crashes and narrowly missing Harry. She goes to check on it, and there's a dead woman in it. This dead woman, whose name I also didn't write down, uh, is dead when she opens the door. She calls the police. The police show up, and she was dead before the the car crashed. Okay. So she's dead, crashed the car. So they figure it's like some sort of heart attack. Isn't it crazy how hard that can come on? This woman, is, Barbara, I think is her name. Barbara is a nurse to the former governor of Virginia, a fictional former governor of Virginia, whose name I also uh, didn't remember. <laughs> um, you'll know why, because there's just so many fucking characters. Uh this former governor of Virginia has leukemia and is nearing death's door. He's very elderly. He was the governor of Virginia during desegregation. And oh. he stood against it. And to the book's Virginia-ass boomer liberal sensibility credit, he does start to regret that sort of thing. But he saw it as standing up more to the federal government than it was about actual race and everything. Typical South. Like, we just have to figure out a different way to spin it. Yeah. And so, you know, Southern Dixiecrat sort of Democrat things come across in here. Although that comes up later in a really weird way. Uh, and the governor's nurse is killed. The governor is, is dying and he's writing his memoirs and the, she is killed. Uh, and so who killed her with this point, this medicine that comes out of hospitals that she signed it out cause she's a nurse. So was she using it or something? I don't know, which to my skimming idea is never actually resolved why she was the one who got the murder weapon mm. out. It probably is, but I don't remember. I probably didn't read it. I skipped Wait, it. Wait, was it the governor? Did the governor kill her? It, the governor did not. The oh. governor actually is painted as a very nice man and very huh. charismatic and handsome. Uh, Even though he's super old and dying? Yeah. Um, Think about, like, Joe Biden. That's who I pictured it as, Joe Biden. Like, where he's old as shit and he has fake teeth, but he's still, like, you know, this tan, handsome, politician-looking dude. Um, And so his grandson or son, I started to get lost, is running for state senate at the time. Harry's... Harry caddies for Susan, who is the governor's granddaughter, uh, at the club. And so she's gunning. We get multiple golfing scenes. Multiple golfing scenes. That's pretty boomer. Uh, And so she knows the family. She knows Holloway is the governor's name. And so the governor is still around and his nurse has died and we can't figure out why and who would kill her. And there's a break in at the advertising agency that harry is going to use to promote her organic farm uh who also did work for the son that's running state senate and and i'm skimming this book i would say reading one full page out of every 20 pages like skimming like paragraph here paragraph there paragraph whatever so one combined full page out of every 20 and already i'm like it's the son that's running for state senate yeah it's obvious. As soon as you said that he had a son who's running for state senate, I was like, oh, well, if it wasn't the governor, it was the kid. And so now it's more about motive and yeah. why. What and was so, the motive? What's the and why? And so the son running for state senate, and this is insane, is moving like f- to the alt-right, the far right, like the reactionary, even though he's running as a Democrat. And I'm like, listen, I understand it's Virginia and there's some weird rules there. To its credit, this takes place in 2016. So maybe there is, there is something there uh, for Virginia. But uh, like even... Dixiecrats don't really exist anymore and mm-hmm. the alt-right far right doesn't like i'm gonna stand up to those other liberals like you're just a republican it's yeah. fine so i'm guessing that the the person who wrote this didn't want to paint too broad of a brush on republicans and so made the bad guy a democrat who is a republican yeah. far writer um but wants names to, are important wants so to call s- him a democrat wants to speak to his base more and so you know it's the danged federal government are doing this that or the other thing and he's invoking his grandfather's name and his grandfather's getting all mad about it and memoirs are being written uh so we find out it's him because in the last couple pages uh he they go to check in because the governor is found dead in the family graveyard. Oh no! There's a woman who is the woman who is helping is him write her his memoirs has been conked over the head like in a Scooby Doo cartoon and is passed out at the computer, but she's fine. She has a concussion, but she's fine. Uh, and so it was something about then the computer was stolen. So something about the memoirs that needs to end. 
And then at the very end of the book, it's revealed that the reason he was dying was not actually leukemia and the reason that a bunch of other people in his family have been dying or get sick easily through the family tree is not leukemia, but sickle cell anemia, Oh, which is a majority black disease. Yeah. And so it is the motive for the, the murder was that the son running for state Senate did not want it to come out that he was part black in some way because he thought it would ruin his election chances and so murdered his grandfather and the nurse. Okay. And it's like... Uh, hmm. That's not how it would work. Uh, no. Sickle cell anemia, while overwhelmingly localized to black populations... Isn't exclusively found in black people. It's not exclusively found in black people. Uh, and so... And also, it's not like... 1870 like and if there's anything that a lily white virginian man could do to deflect accusations of racism it would be to embrace that like i have have african-american heritage there's nothing there's nothing racist about me i'm part black yeah by the way let me like continue to desegregate schools and do all this racist stuff but i can't be racist because i'm part black according to my so it'd be whatever the entire motive is baloney so that's the actual book dispersed within this book are innumerable conversations between the pets okay who are the pets is three is stinky pie brown one of the pets no miss murphy is one of the pets tucker the corgi and several other cats and do they all belong to the same human yeah and she takes them everywhere you know it's like cats places cats hate going places and and it's like when she goes to friends' houses, she takes her three cats and one corgi. I'm like, and it's... That's excessive. That is excessive and bad and wrong. And so skipping over the pets' conversations is where they're just talking to each other and it matters for not shit. Did the pets help solve the mystery? Uh, the corgi smelled and barked when the dead body was there because uh, he ran up to it. Good job, but it, corgi. it was not leading anyone anywhere. It was just like, hey, I knew about this before them. Um, so that's part of it. Like, a murder mystery is built on its tension. Yeah. Right? There is no tension at all in this book. There is one scene at the very end where the the son chases them around with a walking stick, and there's two people, so they just run in different directions, and when he chases one, the other one jumps on top of him from the back, and it's over. So there's the pet conversations, and then there's an entire other fucking book and i'm swearing a bunch and i don't care because there's an entire other book in here that takes place in 1789 what like 1794 excuse me that basically has this subplot about the slave owner who was okay we'll get into the politics later but the slave owner who was like beating and sexually assaulting his slaves as slave owners are wont to do yeah um and gets murdered by his wife a white woman because she catches him like sexually assaulting this black woman or the slave and so she murders him out of jealousy blames it on the slave so the slaves run away and the good slave owners yeah they own slaves but they're the good ones of course take care of these other two and help them through the 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 newly established underground railroad which isn't called that because there are no railroads yet to the north and it turns out that that's why that that family has mixed blood or whatever because she was impregnated by her rapist slave owner yeah great um there's another one there's other stuff down the line i started flat out skipping entire chapters with this i feel like was that supposed to be some kind of feel good story i don't have any clue i don't have any idea horribly i think it was supposed to be like the sins of the past follow us today kind of stuff but instead it was literally just reading about why they got married why different there were like four or five different couples in there after the guy who gets murdered dies there's a subplot inside the subplot of who's gonna bang the widow then there's a subplot inside the subplot inside that subplot about who's going to buy this horse from the good slave owners and it's just like i don't care the the nurse was murdered in 2016 why am i worried about who's buying a horse in 1794 so i finished this book in three days because I just skipped it. <laughs> and it's like, now? it's like, you know how you can navigate YouTube by clicking on the progress yep. bar 
You can also navigate YouTube by doing like zero, one, two, three, up to 10, which takes you to that 10th of a video. You hit five, it takes you halfway through. Hit zero, it takes you to the beginning. Hit 10, it takes you to the end, which I don't know why there's just no 10. Hit nine, it takes you to the ninth, 10th of the, the video, okay. right? Me skipping this book was like hitting like, I don't know, when's the next break? Next important thing gonna happen, I assume like three. And I'd hit three and it'd be like, oh, something important happened. And so I'd have to hit back in five second increments until I actually found it. Mm -hmm. And then I keep hitting back and it just wouldn't pop up because I'd be like, it skips in five second increments, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd hit back five seconds, back five seconds, back five seconds, and it still wouldn't happen. And then I'd realize that it just passed by because it was so innocuous and unnecessary as to, pa as to not be mentioned. And then the book ended and it turned out sickle cell anemia was the culprit. Can I ask a question? Yeah. This is a series because it is referenced as a, a Murphy Brown novel or yeah. a Mrs. Murphy novel or yeah. whoever the hell. Murphy Brown's um, an actual detective. Yeah. Isn't Murphy Brown a... Woman. Yeah, but she's not a detective. She's a reporter, right? A oh. newscaster? I assumed from just how TV works that she solves a couple murders. Well, probably. So is this series... Does the woman and or the cat have they solved other murders? I don't know. She has a she has a reputation for coming that thing sideways and seeing how things seeing how things how people mm, don't. I see. Okay. Oftentimes in book like books like this, it will reference how many other murders or unsolved mysteries have. this woman I don't have, know. has. I don't read it. That's fair. No, I read it, but it was just I shitty. Know. I just, um, I was so excited when I found this oh, because yeah, no, it was, it was written by a cat. And I was just very, very pleased by that. Oh, there's a cast of characters. I brought up how many characters oh, there good. are. How many characters are there? Uh, enough to fill eight pages. Holy man. In this cast, that's more than other world. In this cast of characters, it includes animals from the present, uh, people from the present, people from the 18th century from one plantation, people from the 18th century from the other plantation, and animals from the 18th century. The Gross. animals in the 18th century also talk. Of course they do. They've always been able to talk. Uh, this book has pictures in it. Yeah, tell me more about the pictures. They're relatively well done, sort of, uh, you know, black this and just white. just did not really vector. strike me as the illustrated kind of... Uh, this, may, this brings me back to one time I read a book in elementary school that was about girls who raise ponies, and I didn't realize this, the uh, oh. gender binary connotations of that, but my brother made me very aware of it. Oh, uh, Matt. Then, well, yeah, they were bad looking back, but it reminds me of that. Um, we get to read about how most slave owners were good enough people. Mm, yeah. I'm sure they were, and how most segregationists are really not that bad either. There's good folks on both sides. Yeah, um, there's a woman whose name is M-I-G-N-O-N, as in filet mignon. Oh, I hate that. Um, they called the governor and the governor's wife G-Pa and G-Mom. Mm. G-Mom? G-Mom. That does not roll off the tongue. That is ten times harder to say than Grandma. grandma. G-mom. Uh, the governor bemoans, he's a World War II hero, the governor bemoans that there is no more draft because that's what really taught people to get together. Uh, I hate that mindset so much. Like That's what's wrong with the youth of today is that they haven't had to go to war. Yeah, fuck, fuck us for, like, don't go to war just yeah. in general, idiots. It's a, it's a moral negative. Yeah. Like, from the, whatever. I know that there were wars that solved moral conundrums. War from a neutral standpoint. Any war starts from a... I, I'm preaching the choir. Anyway. I... Uh, have this problem with history books. Because history books written by present day Virginia Southern liberal types. Uh, Grandmothers. You cannot have part of your story take place in the slave south and refer to slaves as african-american women or men that's yeah. bullshit narration yeah they're not american like they obviously blacks they are of course but you can't talk about slaves and be like no these african-american people are african-american they're not dred scott settled that once and for all they're you can't have a narrator 
narrate them as African-American. That is historically dishonest. That's thematically batshit. They're, yeah. They would be seen as property and things. Yeah. And to try and get away from that is just being uncomfortable with slavery, and you should write about something else. Yeah, if you're that uncomfortable, which it is an uncomfortable thing to yeah, think about sucks, and talk about but... and write about because it was a terrible chapter of American history that has had impacts to the present and will continue to impact the future, but if you're that uncomfortable writing about it, maybe let... Maybe leave that to someone who is a better writer. In addition, the politics in this are simply confusing. So this is talking, this is an interview interviewing the culprits. Mr. Cunningham, you are perceived as an old-time Democrat by many, which is really a new-time Republican. Two bills are before the state Senate. One on removing special requirements from clinics that perform abortions and costly requirements put in place by our previous Republican-controlled legislature. Another bill purported to close the pay gap between men and women for equal work. What is your position on both? He replies... Well, Bill, I learned from my grandfather. He was criticized by the head of the Democratic Party in Virginia in the late 60s before being elected governor. My grandmother, a nurse, continued working throughout Granddad's career. The party fellow said, Sam, can't you keep that woman in line? And Granddad quipped, no, that's why I married her. That ought to tell you how I feel about women. Slick, Harry's eyebrows rose. No, it's not. That's a shitty fuck. That's the... the well, uh, that's also not an answer to that question. Well, politicians usually don't answer, and it calls it out. But it's like, that's not even a good answer. It yeah. doesn't even come close. Uh, bored and insulted, this cop said, a, a woman cop said across from Harry, if anything is brought up as a woman's issue, it means whoever is bringing it up sees women as second-class citizens. Plus, they're assuming we all think alike. It's the ultimate insult. Well, we're unequal on the money front, but I take your point. The media and politicians think we only care about so-called women's issues, and in Eddie's case, vote for or against. What it really means, Harry, is that there's money and political gain to be focusing on women as separate from men. And so it's like, there's some good points in there about women don't... Women care about issues, not just women's issues. Yeah. But it also is saying, like, there's no such thing as a thing that is specific to women. Like, yes, and also I this is a sticking point for me. I hate the concept of women's issues because it frames it as like men's issues are for everyone and women's issues are for women, but a lot of the things that are characterized as women's issues are actually economic issues. Anyway, I we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, so the politics are confusing and if I can leave you with the single sentence, the only direct quote I took Alicia unbelievable Alicia, unbelievably beautiful, like Sophia Loren is unbelievably beautiful, and had been a movie star in the 50s and early 60s, said. So. She's unbelievably beautiful, like an unbelievably beautiful person. Yes, and also describing that Sophia Loren had been a movie star in the 50s and early 60s, or that Alicia, who is unbelievably beautiful, like Sophia Loren is unbelievably beautiful, had also been a movie star in the 50s and early 60s. Yes. I don't know. But either way, it's terrible. And so is the book. And I'm glad I didn't read it for the most part because it was trash. Anyway, tell me about James Bond. So first I want to ask you, how familiar are you with the James Bond properties? In the way that I am, uh, very, without having any reason to be. But you went through a bit of a James Bond phase Movies. a couple read years a book. ago. I'm, I'm I'm not asking specifically about the books. No. It was this year, but yes, I went through a James Bond phase because they they appeared on Amazon Prime and Netflix. They seemed to trade them back and forth. And so you watched most of them? No, 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 no. No, okay. I watched like the first of the first eight. I probably watched six of them, and then I've seen some the more recent ones as well. I watched the Sean Connery ones and the not. Timothy Dalton, who's the one that was only in it on Her Majesty's Secret Service, has a James Bond who was only James Bond once. Oh, okay. I know. You're asking the absolute wrong person. I know that Pierce Brosnan was James Bond for a hot minute, and so was Daniel Craig. Who is still James Bond. Okay. Are there still James Bond movies happening? Yes. The new one is coming out quite recently. Or quite soon. Oh, okay. Well, this one takes place um let me see here if i can remember do you did you ever watch a james bond movie where the bond girl's name and i hate that i have to say this word the bond girl's name was 
pussy galore. Yes, from Goldeneye. George Lazenby was the the James Bond from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I know that if I was listening, I'd be yelling at me. So. Oh, okay. Thank you. So Pussy um, Galore is so, yeah. from Goldfinger. She's Goldfinger. a lesbian okay. until James Bond flirts with her and tackles her into a pile of hay. And then they make out and she becomes a good girl instead of a bad girl. And also straight. That was going to be one of my points. So thanks for the spoiler. Oh, sorry. So this book from the movie. takes place. I haven't. Have I ever watched a James Bond movie? Yeah, we, we watched, watched one together. From Russia with Love. We did. Which, Dr. No sucks. Yeah. It's really bad. Most of the early Bond mm-hmm. movies are terrible. From Russia with Love is not just a good James Bond movie. It's a good movie. I stand by that as like actual quality movie. I remember that movie. I sort of forgot that it was... We, we watch a lot of mystery science theater and sometimes mm-hmm. I get mixed up with things like diabolic... Diabolic. Or, like, we watched Man Danger from Death Uncle. Ray. We watched Man from Uncle, oh. which is not Mystery Science Theater. It's just a very good movie. Don't talk but, like, about it. I'll get it's a It's the same kind of vibe. Oh, better. Man it's way Uncle better. ten times better. But, like, sometimes they get the plot lines of those things. Yeah, for sure. Up, which I feel like is fair for a person very who fair. does not like movies. From Russia with Love was before Goldfinger. Okay. So, this book takes place in the very immediate aftermath of Goldfinger, because we start in James Bond's apartment where he is with Pussy Galore because he takes her to London with him at the end of Goldfinger. Ah, from America. And he's kind of like, I don't really know what to do with this woman who is here. And he is not really a commitment kind of man. And so he is trying to figure out, like, how do I get rid of her, basically? Like, how do I get her to go back to America but make it seem like it was her idea? And fortunately, he gets an assignment from M, um, and so he has to leave. And so he tells her, like, you can stay in London if you want to, but I have to go to work. The case that he's been assigned to work, he has to go to a small town, um, like a small village in England, and basically learn how to drive race cars. This book is all about things that men are supposed to like it is about women and very alcoholic martinis and very fast cars and guns and rocket ships point of order there's no such thing as a not very alcoholic martini they are made of pure gin also we should we just likes to have a lot of gin in them there's that's like saying I like a lot of bourbon in my bourbon. Well, no, he like he likes to have a very large serving of. Them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's what. Large yeah. Martin tea. Yes. They should call it a large island iced tea. <laughs> we should point out that the original Bond books were written by Ian Fleming. They were. This book was written af- um, very soon after Ian Fleming's death. Mm. It incorporate. No, Ian Fleming died a while ago. Okay. Well, it was written after Ian Fleming died. Yeah. Um. And it uses a so he had sketched out the plot line of this book and written parts of it. And Anthony Horowitz took the pieces that he had written and tried very hard to like stay true to his style, which is terrible. Yeah, Ian Fleming died in 1964. Okay, so it was not very soon after he died. Sorry, it was after he died. Anthony Horowitz has written other young adult novels as well. He has written things like he wrote a book called Moriarty. The House of Silk, The Magpie Murders, The Killing Joke, Mind Game, and William S. Not the Batman Killing Joke. Um, So I'm going to start with the plot line. So James Bond has to go learn how to drive race cars because he has to participate in a race called the Nür- Nürburgring. Nuremberg. Nür- no, it's not Nuremberg. I've been to Nuremberg. It's just Nuremberg. Mm, the new town. Nuremberg, which is a race in Nuremberg. Um, And he has to train to be able to compete in it because he has to save the life of a very prominent English racer who's being targeted by the Russians. The Russians are trying to kill him to prove something. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. It is unclear. Soviets are bad. I mean, basically. uh, One of the things that, one of the reasons that we know that Soviets are bad is because the the Russian men are described this way. The utter cold-bloodedness and contempt that seemed to be built into the Slavic race. There's some racism in this book. 
um, against almost exclusively against Russian people. So he yeah, is down. Communists. He's learning how to race from a woman named Logan, who is teaching him how to race. Okay, but um, what's the penile pun that Logan has hidden within her name? Well, her name is Logan Fairfax. Not Logan Ryder or... No, her name is Logan Fairfax, but she's described as looking very boyish. Uh, everything is incredibly homoerotic in this book i'll get to that in a second so um he is getting to know logan he's learning how to race all this stuff about cars and engines and it's very manly rooms instead and then of booms. all of a sudden pussy galore shows up um he sees her and then he has to walk like as he realizes that she is there he sees her get kidnapped um <laughs> So these two men kidnap Problem solved. her and then they <laughs> attempt to kill her by tying her up to these like Stonehenge-like stones and covering her entire body with gold paint. That's a gold finger thing. He so, did that to mm-hmm. a different woman. Yeah. So okay. it's his like henchmen that are doing it. Uh, Bond saves her. He murders the two men with homemade bombs that he makes up on the fly. So there's just a, there's a lot of casual murder. He, I counted, he he kills 17 people throughout That's the course low. of this book, which is pretty low. Um, well, so big for early James Bond. He is, like, flirting with Logan, but then pussy shows up, and he doesn't want to Wait, be with pussy. Slower. Gross. Um, and he wants to at least sleep with Logan, and all this stuff happens. But Ooh. he has to go, like, practice his racing, so he leaves Logan at the hospital with pussy, well, it winds up the two of them run away together and Logan goes back to America with Pussy Galore. Hell yes! I thought you were going to be all mad at this book and there's a lot to be mad about. But There's a lot to be mad about, but I did like that part a lot. That the two women that he was trying to sleep with both decided like, nah, we're gonna... Yeah, but what if he shows up and is like, huh? Huh? Venn diagram? Wiggle the eyebrows? I mean, that's probably going to happen like two books from now. But for right now, I'm just going to imagine that these two nice women are enjoying each other's company. Well, they're both... Well, I don't know about Logan, but Pussy Glore is a bad person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but so is he. So then immediately he goes back to London. He winds up on a different assignment. Um, There's a whole thing about this Korean man that he sees with the Russians at the racetrack and they're up to something. So he has to go figure out what What they're doing. So he goes. The Korean man. Um. Well, we find out later that the Korean man, um, his family was bombed to death in front of him during the Korean War, and so he's had a vendetta against Americans ever since. Um, Basically, he (laughs) has a plan to sabotage a rocket that is being built. Then he is going to use a replica rocket that he is building to destroy the Empire State Building. So people will blame <laughs> NASA because they'll think that the damage to the Empire State Building was caused by the real rocket, but it won't be. His company, which is going to, wind, it's like a construction company, will make millions from the reconstruction of Manhattan. He's going to get to kill a bunch of people in Manhattan, which he lo- enjoys to do, and Russia will win the space race because of the rocket that they sabotage. So Russia will get to space first. They did. Well... They'll get to the uh, to make a space station or something. First. They did. Yeah, they the, did because of this guy. The only so, thing that America did first was land on the moon. This is the main plot of the book. So the whole racing plot was just sort of like is, prologue, but it was half the book, so it was a half book long prologue. You know how in Mr. Science Theater there are some some movies that were made for tv movies mm-hmm. and or even like attempted pilots uh riding with death is one of them okay and so instead of being one movie it's just two pilots stitched together that's the vibe i'm getting from that this. is the vibe that i got from this, this is too. riding with death the james bond book because the riding with death the first episode the first half of the movie is about driving a yep. semi the second one about racing so this is must be like riding with death 1.5. Yeah. So the first half was all about racing, and then the second one is all about driving space a semi. Race. Oh. <laughs> um, James Bond and a new woman that he meets, whose name is Jeopardy Lane. Um, is that what they... she comes from? Vagina? <laughs> Gross. 
they figure out the plot. They the chase the train with the fake rocket and they stop it from blowing up New York City. All is well with the world. Um, then at the very end, he makes it back to his flat in London and the driver from the beginning who is trying to kill the English guy that James Bond thwarted shows up at his apartment to try to kill him. Um, he kills that guy too. That's the 17th murder that he commits. Um, and then at the end, he spends about two paragraphs reflecting on his own mortality, but uh, he's not going to die today. So that's the plot of the book. Hooray! I have some things I'd like to talk about what about is, James Bond. Is there more to trigger Mortis than just being a oh, commentary on yes. rigor Mortis? So, I mean, it is a play on rigor Mortis, but their, their attempt to sabotage the American rocket... The engineers who built said rocket, um, their, like, self-destruct button, their fail-safe, like, if something goes wrong, they press this button, and the rocket will basically just, like, it'll blow itself up. Yeah. It's their, like, it's the self-destruct button. And the one of the young engineers, um, like, jokingly referred to it as trigger mortis, and it stuck. Nice. So that's their whole plan for sabotaging their rocket, is they're going to make something go wrong in the first, like, 15 seconds after it launches so that they have to press the self-destruct button and NASA has wasted all this money. That's like a, the F-35. Sure. So the main problem that I have with this James Bond book is it's super sexist. Is that surprising what? to you? a James Bond property? So let me tell you about um, some of the very odd descriptions of women in this book her breasts and hips were always fighting against the fabric of her clothes this is used this sort of imagery is used a lot in bibliophile books like women's bodies are always fighting with their clothes or straining against their clothes or stretching the fabric of their clothes like buy some fucking clothes that fit it was the 60s. We didn't know what sort of clothes to make for these weird lumps. I know. It was terrible. Um, guess what color Pussy Galore's eyes are? Gray. No, I'll give you one more guess. There's Pur like two eye colors in Bibliovile. Purple. Yes, they're violet. She has a violet eyes. Um, a quote from this book. The first cigarette of the day definitely tasted better when it came from the lips of a beautiful woman. Which is gross. Uh, he simply could not imagine working with a woman who was plain or unattractive, he says when talking about one of the secretaries at his job. Um, let's see. Pussy Galore was waiting for him in the kitchen, wearing an oversized man's shirt and nothing else. As he came in, she turned and looked at him with the extraordinary violet eyes that had first attracted him when he'd met her at the warehouse in Jersey City barely more than two weeks ago. Then she had been the head of a lesbian organization, the Cement Mixers, brought in by Auric Goldfinger to help him pull off the heist of the century. As things had turned out, the two of them had become allies and then, inevitably, lovers. The conquest had been particularly satisfying to Bond, who had instantly recognized in her that untouchable quality, a refusal to be loved. He had desired her the moment he saw her, walking towards him in a well-cut suit, holding her own in a room full of mobsters. He examined her now, the black hair carelessly cut, the full lips, hair. the decisive cheekbones. It was hard to believe that this was a girl who had felt nothing but suspicion, suspicion and hatred towards men until he had come into her life. I do love that she has decisive cheekbones. Like, where do you want to go eat? Yeah. I don't know, but my cheekbones say Applebee's. They're pointing in this direction. And that kind of, so like... The, also, nothing in the movie said that the other pilots were lesbians. The... Descriptions of all of the women are very, like, a lot of them are described as being boyish. They all have short haircuts. Um, they all have, like, sort of masculine features. Um, everything is very phallic, like all of the racing cars, wow. the rocket engine, like... The guns. The guns. Everything is described the in these very phallic terms. And, like, everything about this book is super homoerotic there's like a whole aside where he's thinking back to his like 
boarding school days and sort of like wondering english boarding school yeah he's like sort of wondering if his like guy friends were all like fucking each other at school (laughs) um it's just like everything is super super homoerotic it's very strange um none of the women ever eat anything in all of the scenes where he is eating a meal, none of the women ever eat. They just smoke cigarettes because, of course, we have to keep them skinny and hungry and pliable. Um, there's another quote that I have in here. Forgive me while I find it. Bond was, this is when we meet Jeopardy. Bond was wondering what to do next when a woman appeared, coming out of a room on the other side. His first thought was that she couldn't be with one of the racing drivers. She wasn't glamorous enough. Her evening dress was a little too formal. The black gross grain well-tailored without actually showing her body off to full effect. Bond would have preferred a lower cut and a little less fabric around the bodice. If you're given that shape, you might as well flaunt it. And although she was shorter than he liked and slightly boyish, The close-cropped blonde hair was another mistake. She had a gaming quality that put him in mind of the French actress Jean Seberg. In fact, looking at her a second time, he decided he had been unfair to her. She wasn't beautiful in a conventional way, but she was attractive all the same, with an intelligence in those off-blue eyes that was somehow challenging. Her lips, though a little too small, were still desirable. This was a girl who was too serious for her own good. She was wearing hardly any makeup, and her only she jewelry was a pair more. of diamond ear studs. She might have made more effort, especially at a party like this. But actually, the French had a good word for it. Jolie laid. It translates as ugly pretty. Like William D- Willem Dafoe. It's just like, you know the concept that um, really terrible pickup artists Negging. Really embraced about nagging. Yeah. Like that that whole paragraph reeks of nagging. It's just like this whole this book's entire treatment of women is gross and terrible. Um, I'm gonna get to a James Bond style pun about androgynous here pretty soon. Yeah. But you, you're gonna have to give me some time. Okay, sounds good. Um, on his date with Jeopardy, he orders everything for her, Gross. which is just annoying. I just don't like that. Um, at the very end. They part ways. Um, She realizes that he is not a commitment kind of guy and that they live on opposite sides of the continent or the country, the world, the globe. Um, Which one of those six things? The opposite sides of the globe. She works for the American Secret Service. He works for the British Secret Service. They live very far apart. They're not going to see each other. It's not going to work. So they have an entire night of really good sex, and then she leaves while he's asleep. I'm glad they got to bone. But bef- like as they're having this conversation, she talks on and on and on about how like I've been Women, seeing, am I right? I've been seeing this guy, and I've been thinking that we'll probably wind up getting married. And so it frames it as like this woman is going to go on to leave this totally unremarkable. And boring and kind of depressing life. But at least she's going to have the memory of this time with James Bond as her, like, one grand adventure. Like, this is a super smart, very well-educated woman who works for the Secret Service. Like, she has a pretty exciting job. But, like, no, no, no. Bond is, like, the one thing that she's going to cling to in her boring, terrible life. And that irritated me also. Um... Two two other things before you get to your your James Bond oh, androgyny no, pun. So don't. keep working no. on it. Um, <laughs> Take a long time. One thing is that at the very well towards the end. Um, so and I wanted to ask you if this is a theme in the movies. Do they like obviously Bond is the hero in the James Bond movies? What clearly, but like how much time do they spend framing it as like? All of the murder that he does is actually a good thing. Um, the early James Bond ones were more actual, like, political th- thriller-ish type things where, like, when he kills a person, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, the middle ones, up until Daniel Craig, were very much like, isn't this fun? Yeah. We're killing so many Soviets. Uh, and then the Daniel, or just jamaicans or whoever yeah uh and then the daniel craig ones are like isn't this gritty he's such a sociopath so it really depends on the so this one spent a lot of time convincing us that like he is different than other murderers he is a good murderer james is bond so after killing the 
Russian race driver that comes to try to murder him at the end. Um, he says, Bond was one of three agents who had been given the double zero assassination, a license to kill. But that didn't mean he had to kill or that he would ever enjoy killing. Somewhere inside him, he felt a measure of satisfaction. A great evil had been done to him, but it had not made him evil. Sin, the Korean villain, might claim that what had his, happened... Wait, hold on. His name is Sin? So his his name is Sin Jai Seong, but his American colleagues basically bastardized it and started calling him Jason Sin, and so he started going by Jason Sin. Yeah, that's even worse than Sin. Pussy Galore. Yeah. Eh. J. Sin Sin, and he's the bad guy. Pussy Galore. <laughs> all right, you're right. This is one of the all-time worst names. Sin might claim that what had happened at Nogunri, which is when his it's whole no family... Good. And when his whole family died, yeah, uh, no had turned him into the monster that he undoubtedly was. But Bond had escaped from the hell of a living grave. He got buried alive. And had left nothing of his inner self, not an inch of his humanity behind. That was the difference between them. That was why he would win. So this is very, like, we have to make sure everyone knows that he's actually the good guy, even though he murdered a bunch of people, too. Well, humanity is about fucking. He did get buried alive. I chose not to talk about it because it made me very anxious to read about. And you also do not like enclosed spaces. So we're just going to skip over that guy. That's putting it nicely. Um... My final comment about this book is that throughout the book, someone has written in this book, unsurprisingly. People do that a lot in library books. I've never seen it. But the things that they have written are very entertaining to me because they marked their progress. So they, on page 84, uh, subtracted, there's 310 pages in this book. They subtracted (laughs) 310 minus 84, 226 pages left. They marked the halfway point. Um, they, so they're also, we have competitors out there. Yeah. So when we get to like the the break between like part one and part two, they wrote halfway in big letters. Um, there was another one too, and there's a hundred pages left. So it was just really funny that like someone. Do you want to write someone, me too, bud, or something like in there? I kind of do. But someone was reading this and was like, oh God, only a hundred pages left. Kind of like I was. Wow, we I want to find mm-hmm. this mystery person. I Let's know. Hire one of the James's Bond to, to find him it. and kill him. It can be the 18th murder. Uh, no, I Also uh, there's more than 3 double O's in the M- in M16. 6 and M6. Well, MI6 is MI6, yeah. thank you. I um, knew there's a, a vertical line in there somewhere. <laughs> um maybe there are at the end of it. <gasps> but at this time there's only 3. No, there's there's more even in from Russia with love. There's a whole council of them. Maybe a bunch of them die. Bah! Um, I do appreciate, though, this was a fast read. It was only 300 pages Oh, my. Um, well, it's better than all the freaking 500-page books you've been getting me. Yeah. Um, and it's tall tale. it went quick. It So I do appreciate that. I did not enjoy it. It was sexist as shit. But it was fast. Tall Tale was technically 316, but it felt like much more even as I skipped it. The best I got is Bamdrogenous. Like, mm. uh, it's tough. Can you think of one? No. I don't know anything about James Bond. No, you just need action words. Action words. I just did emotion. Like, uh, it's in, like, David Boomy, Tilda. Skin tint. <laughs> I'm thinking of androgynous people yeah. now. Disexual. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's the first one you think of always, you know. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yes, um, and. Uh, do we want to, uh, as we yes, wrap we this do. up, talk about our next books? Because I did the Mick Dickinson thing where I found two. And I had to make a spike. I had to, I had to do it. Um, so Check out. We I, do not buy these books. We don't spend money on this podcast. My book that Susan gave me is insanely, out of the conservatively tens of thousands of books yeah. in the public library, 
uh, is one that I have taken off the shelf, read and remembered, and filed away for later, but for some reason did not get it for Sue. Sue has gotten it for me. Nice! Sue got me Sapphire Flames by a person whose name is covered up by the public library. Fiona Andrews? Elona Andrews. Elona Andrews. Oh, Manzanar. I would Uh like you to direct your attention to White Hot (gasps) on the inside cover. Wow, that man has like a 17 pack. I believe you can see his wiener underneath White Hot. It must be describing his wiener. I don't think she has a lower body. (laughs) Anywho, so I got uh, Sapphire Flames, which is really weirdly internally uh, alliterative. Uh, In a world where magic is the key to power and wealth. Catalina Baylor is a capital P prime, the highest rank of magic user and capital H head of our capital H house. (laughs) Catalina has always been afraid to use her unique powers, but when her friend's mother and sister are murdered, Catalina risks her reputation and safety to unravel the mystery. But behind the scenes, powerful forces are at work, and one of them is Alessandro Sagredo, the Italian capital P prime, who was once Catalina's teenage crush. Dangerous and unpredictable, Alessandro's true motives are unclear, but he's drawn to Catalina like a moth to a flame. Uh, it is an Avon romance. There's magic. It is a small book, but it is 393 pages long. I can't believe I didn't get this for you before you got it from me. Mine is 408 pages long, so I will hear no complaining from you. Mine is Amanda Boucher's Heart on Fire, The Kingmaker Chronicles, Volume 3. Yep. And there is a pull quote on the inside. From none other than Archangel's Legion author Nalini Singh. Oh my god, it's happening again. It's happening again. What They're is everywhere. Going on? One of the uh, the quotes from the book on the back is I have the power of the gods at my fingertips. The only thing ever stopping me has been me. We need Xenon Warrior Princesses on the cover. Oh, for sure. And Megan Fox uh, as Xena. Um, We need to take a break and have an episode that is just some deep dive. Some, Some publication will pick up this pitch as to the deep well of weird, paranormal, terrible books. Yeah. That we keep finding ourselves spinning into these this web of connections that we cannot escape from our weird. Do you think they have a book club, but instead of like reading books every month, they all have to write a new book every month, and then they get together to talk about it? Like all of these (laughs) urban fantasy authors that churn out like dozens of books a year. Did we have a Tessa Dare book elsewhere in Bibliovile? Uh, How the Dukes Stole Christmas. Sarah McLaughlin. (laughs) Wait, no, that's a real person. Yeah. Sarah McLean, excuse me. M-A-C capital L-E-A-N. So I, uh, Sophie Jordan and Joanna Shoup. Okay, we've read something by Joanna Joanna Shoup. We've had Joanna Shoup. I thought those were characters. No, those are the four authors of this book. We've had Joanna Shoup for sure. Um... What was the Dukes? What was the author? The title? How to How the Dukes Stole Christmas. Okay. No. Didn't Didn't I read Didn't I read something like that? No. There was a Christmas Werewolves book. Am I thinking of something You're else? You're thinking of the NASCAR Christmas yes. Werewolf book. I had to read How to Marry a Duke. Okay. I, I'm getting did these. Did you things have confused. to read the Joanna Shoup book? Yes, I can't remember which one. You found for me the Laura Lee Christmas sex book. I have just now, spoiler alert, found for you oh, no. the Joanna Shoup Bodice Ripper Christmas sex Wait, book. Wait, okay, but... What is it with Christmas sex books? Apparently it's a thing. Like, women who write prolifically about urban fantasy and explicit sex get together with their other urban fantasy explicit sex friends and... Write Christmas sex books. Look, what was the Joanna Shoot book that I read? The most recent one about the deaf guy. Was that Joanna Shoot? I, I that really was. liked that one. No joke. That one but was I'm good. I'm not getting it for you. 
Um, well, there's four other authors that could be terrible. Yeah. You got to get me the Christmas sex book. Um, do you want to hear the other books that Alona Andrews has read? Yes. Hidden Legacy series, Burn for Me, oh. White Hot, Wildfire, Diamond Fire novella, Sapphire Flames, which is this one, <laughs> the Kate Daniel series. See if you can find a uh, a running theme in the titles. Okay? okay. It's it's a little subtle, but there's there's a thing that links these titles together. Magic Triumphs, Magic Binds, Magic Gifts novella, Magic Breaks, Magic Rises, Magic Slays, Magic Bleeds, Magic Strikes, Magic Burns, and Magic Bites. So I think the connection is the verbs. Like in all of those titles, there's there's a verb that like magic perform. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, is the connection magic? Are they all about magic? I didn't see that. You just, yeah. I'm going to start reading. Built with beige stone, Duncan's mansion sprawled at the top of a very low hill like a medieval fortress. It lines managed a nod to both a Spanish Castillo and a Mediterranean Villa, but it was unmistakably Texas. I trust you, I cry. Stung. No. Worse. Hurt. Insofar as you're capable, (laughs) Griffin answers stiffly. My jaw drops. I want to say something, but nothing comes out. Is he right? He's usually right. You're <laughs> wrong. Damn it. I slap my hand over my mouth. I win. That sucked shit. <laughs> All right. I'm excited about this one. We've got a little over. Uh, I love you very much, Susan. I love you very much, too. And Finn, we love you, too, Finn, we buddy. Love you. you were a good boy this whole time. I love you very much, listener. I hope you have a great night. You can find me at uh, Dicky Ma, D I C K I M A A. You can find the podcast at Bibliovile, B I B L I O V I L E. You can find me at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S A N J. The intro music to our you, podcast. I'm sorry, you mispronounced your, your Twitter name. Can you try again? Susan J. Thank you. That's S with three U's, S A N J. The intro music for our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant, and I highly encourage you to vote in your local primary election. Or caucus. Or caucus. Caucuses are terrible.